Welcome again to the Business of Kush, the cannabis business podcast where your host Chip Schweiger, the Greenleaf CPA, and his guests talk about all the business side of the cannabis industry, including accounting, finance, investing, and news of the day. If you're a cannabis business owner, investor, or industry insider looking for the dopest tips to make more money, improve profits, and increase the value of your cannabis business, you're in the right place. And now, here's your host, Chip Schweiger. Well, hi there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Business of Kush podcast. So happy that you're here again with us this week. And as a reminder, I'm Chip Schweiger, the Greenleaf CPA, and a 27-year veteran of public accounting and corporate finance, and also the founder and managing member of a CPA firm that helps marijuana, hemp, and CBD businesses stay on the right side of tax, accounting, and compliance rules so that you can focus on growth. And because we're a firm that solely caters to the complex compliance needs of the cannabis community, we certainly understand the unique challenges we're facing. I promise you we get it. So, This week, as I mentioned last week, our first episode on getting investments into your cannabis company really was a hit. I mean, there was a ton of positive comments and a ton of questions. So let's do this this week. Let's rework the episode schedule a bit and talk more about the specifics and the secrets of raising capital for your cannabis, hemp, or CBD business. Uh, We'll start with uh, some facts. In 2019, $8.1 $8.1 billion of capital was raised by cannabis companies. Now, that's down a bit in 2020 due to the pandemic. But after that lackluster 2020, investment in the cannabis industry has reawakened with the amount of capital raised up over 118% over the 2020 numbers as of just September 10th, which is the last time period that we actually have figures. And As more states move towards full legalization, that amount will only continue to grow. Additionally, industry experts are seeing that these niches appear to be recession-resistant, or even, I guess, what we'll call virus-resistant, with many states experiencing recent record sales, mainly since cannabis and hemp in the CBD markets were deemed essential during the pandemic, which actually was a pretty cool thing, right? However, even recession-resistant companies can experience challenges when finding capital for funding or seeking investors. Now, many cannabis companies have been looking to debt and creditor solutions for capital growth, but that's really not the only solution business owners have, and it's not the only solution that they should take into consideration. Beyond putting a company further in debt just to raise capital, cannabis CEOs really need solid, non-resource-draining solutions to build capital. From startups to founders of established companies, let's talk about nine tips, very specific tips, that can help you significantly boost capital if you're a CEO or someone helping businesses in these industries. Tip number one, rock solid world-class accounting. So I just gave a talk last week at the Lucky Leaf Expo in Houston about the importance of accounting. And yes, I know it sounds ironic coming from a CPA, and I'm sure it's a real shocker, but many early investors and founders in the cannabis space ignored securing a niche-specific accountant and are now regretting this decision as they find their investments turning sour. In fact, at my firm, we just picked up a client last week from another firm that sold themselves as 
quote-unquote cannabis accounting experts, but they were really anything but that. Not the way that I want to get new clients, but I'm seeing the accounting industry a lot of times provide very little value to a cannabis CEO. So this is a great opportunity to learn from past cannabis investors and CEOs' mistakes, especially the ones who failed and didn't recover. By adding a world-class accountant to your cannabis operation, investors can rest easy knowing that they will have their pulse on the overall health of the business. Now, this is super important as most investors are not involved with the day-to-day operations of the business, right? When a highly trained accountant is hired, the value of a company increases by, in my experience, 10% or more over time, and most importantly, helps prevent downside loss of theft, fraud, and severe bookkeeping error penalties. Now, the best way to attract an investor is to provide concrete and visible data that proves that a business you represent is a tight, compliant ship. Now, this proof can only be acquired through complete and correct cost accounting, through documented internal controls, through documented accounting policies and procedures, through a good chart of accounts, and the other tools tailored specifically to a cannabis industry. Now, in the past, it was difficult to obtain this ultra-specific scope of knowledge, tools, and work papers all in one consolidated place. But today, there are a ton of good, very good accountants and bookkeepers across the United States that have industry-specific experience and the right tools to create added value to their CEOs, including attracting investors and capital funding. The cannabis and hemp CBD niches have highly complex accounting requirements, as you know, like cost accounting, and span several unrelated verticals like farming and chemical manufacture and product manufacture and delivery and labs and retail. To leverage full 360-degree accounting services and to raise capital, you need a dream team in place of community experts that understand these multiple niche-specific layers and regulations. Not only should your team possess the required tools, processes, and knowledge, but it should also consist of a team of executives with a successful track record of supporting successful companies. So amassing attorneys and COOs and subject matter experts and CFOs helps ensure that all the higher level tasks are accounted for and that the business is protected and set up for success. Okay, tip number two. Develop a concise, complete, and compelling pitch deck. So a great pitch deck is essential to landing an investor and to raising capital. So you can throw out your 100-page Word doc business plans and kind of those, you know, pitch decks that you wrote in the middle of the night. Investors really don't have time to comb through all those long business plans. They need to be able to quickly review key information. And to improve your chances of landing the attention of an investor on the first try, you got to integrate these vital pitch deck components. So let's talk about them. You need a proven management team. So you need to, in your pitch deck, describe your team who has shown a track record of successes, including a qualified accountant and a qualified CEO that is not just a grower. And I'm not being critical of growers, but the CEO of the business has a lot more on their plate to think about. In your pitch deck should include a good story. And in that, you should define your company's background, why it was started, and how you achieved your current successes, along with describing the key customer problem your your company addresses and the solution you offer to solve that problem. And if you remember back to episode one, we talked about 
market viability, and we talked about really solving a problem. Okay, the next one is your pitch deck should include a list of board members and or advisors. And this is really the more robust your your team, the better, I think. Um, So just be sure to offer some seats to future investors. But if you don't have a board member uh, of board of directors or advisors, think about getting one. And if you do have them, list them in your pitch deck. Also, your pitch deck should have a market analysis. And this is super important. If you remember back to episode one, when we started this journey, we talked about providing an accurate tool to look at the total addressable market and what your share will be during the years three to five of your business's operation. You also should have a competitive analysis that goes with this. And here's where you're really identifying your competition and analyzing why you are better, and this is super important to investors, as well as identifying potential challenges. Now, here you wanted to find the potential challenges that you may face, such as whether your competition has an advantage that is sustainable, if there are barriers to entry in a particular market, and how the landscape of your business will change if internal revenue code 280E, that 280E thing, If that disappears, you want to be able to talk about how the landscape of your business will change. Uh, Okay, you're also going to need a market plan model. And this really delves into describing your market plan, including distribution and sales, uh, without making the mistake that you assume any product grown can be sold at high prices. Because we're seeing more competition in the marketplace, especially in states like California. And uh, that competition has created consolidation in the market. It's created downward pricing pressure. And so if you think that your product grown, if you're, a, if you're a cultivator, can be sold at high prices, that might not be the case. And you should include that uh, market plan in your pitch deck. You're also going to need unit economics, which include the pricing and margins in your business model, as well as revenue drivers and company strategy. And that should be in your financial model summary, which is really an outline of the key assumptions, a five-year revenue outlook, your earnings before taxes and depreciation and amortization, and your growth projections. And all of this goes to speak to also the investor economics of this whole deal, right? So here's where you're including the company valuation, the sources and uses of capital raise, the ownership size of for an investment, the ROI for the investors, and the time to pay back. And as we talked about in episode one, investors want to invest in great businesses, but they want to invest in great businesses where they're going to get paid back. And so having the investor economics in your pitch deck is really, really very important. Uh, you're also going to want to have the, uh, the amount of owner capital invested. So you need to assess and record how much capital from the owner has gone directly into the company. You also need to write down in the business plan your offer. So you got to determine what you're offering the investor, i.e. is it 20% equity for a $1 million investment? And this is really, in my experience, one of the single most neglected aspects of most pitch decks is how much are you asking for from the offer from the investor and how much of the equity in your company are you willing to give up? Uh, And then a couple other things I think, you know, it's important to talk about traction. So line out what you've accomplished so far, such as acquiring licenses and boosting sales and get with your attorney and make sure that you have the proper legal language in that pitch deck. So never fire off a pitch deck without having a qualified attorney review the language and make sure that phrases like formal offer can that can cause snags where you least expect them. 
All right, tip number three, uh, after we talked about the pitch deck, tip number three is build out a bulletproof five-year financial model. So your financial model has to be complete. It has to be accurate, and it has to align with the numbers in the pitch deck. And often a model will get updated, but the numbers remain the same in the pitch deck, which can quickly scare off an investor because they're going to compare the two. So a good model will be simple and free from massive Excel files. And you should really look to include the following in your financial model. All the financial statements. So this has got to include the balance sheet, the P&L, the statement of cash flows. And each section of that should show the years one through five. And you can add a tab to show the P&L for year one, only broken down by month. Uh, but you got to have years one through five in those financial statements. You also need to have a key assumption tab. So make sure you have all the key assumptions, including production, which is, you know, what is your plant yield and reasonable pricing? How much does it cost you to grow and sell a pound of weed, for example? You need to have a summary tab which records all the key metrics and assumptions, as well as the financial ratios that we talked about in last week's episode, such as investor capital, internal rate of return at year five, under an exit of different valuations, and the overall ROI to an investor. And then you really should have the best and worst case scenarios. And I, I, I really, really think that you should depict these extremes to give investors an idea of what happens if your predictions are off by 50% or more. And we call this in the accounting business kind of a sensitivity analysis so that they can prepare and so that they know what to expect with sales fluctuations. Okay, tip number four, comprehensive capital and entity structure. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the impacts of different types of entity structures here. And this is something that you really need to, to think about in your investment. You also need to analyze your entity structure prior to a capital raise. So is your company a flow-through entity or is it a C-corp? Are there many entities or are there just one? Most smart investors, in my experience, will insist on a C-Corp structure for a cannabis startup because the risk and the tax rates are lower, assuming there are no dividends prior to exit, which is the plan for most cannabis startups. Flow-through entities can create sizable tax liability to a minority investor, and assuming that you're not going to pay any dividends, this is really not a good situation for any investor to be in. So something to think about there. Also, a business creating too many entities to kind of avoid or beat, quote unquote, uh, 280E is really just a red flag for investors and investors in the cannabis industry understand this already. Furthermore, consider the type of equity the investor will obtain. Is it going to be convertible debt? Is it going to be something that we call a safe, uh, uh, you know, future equity, or is it going to be direct equity? You also want to look at which component of capital will be funded through debt and if there are stock option plans for employees or other options that take into consideration that an investor may want to ask about. Tip number five, define a realistic company valuation. Realistic company valuations will be part of your business model and deck and are an extremely important piece of raising capital. For example, if you're giving up 20% of your company for $1 million, that means your company is now worth $4 million prior to the capital raise and will be worth $5 million once the investor adds their $1 million. So you got to take that into your capital valuation and your company valuation. But you also got to ask yourself these questions. Is this realistic? 
Is the company pre-revenue? Does it have any real assets other than an idea and a cannabis license? Company valuations that are based on nothing other than a quote-unquote made-up financial model often receive little interest from investors, and we talked about this in episode one. All right, tip number six, determine your UVP or your USP. So UEP stands for Unique Value Proposition and explains clearly why your product or your company is unique, valuable, sustainable, and desired by the marketplace. So this means that you're actually going to be able to sell some of what you're producing. Your USP, or what we call your unique selling proposition, explains why your customers will buy from you and not from someone else. So this is the market acceptance piece that we talked about in week one. Now, these aspects are important to know and discuss in depth with investors, but they're also important for you to have documented in your your, uh, pitch deck. All right, tip number seven, accumulate traction. So what do I mean by this? Well, really step back from the business for a moment and analyze the steps that you have taken to raise capital. And if you have an idea, deck, and a model, you got to ask yourself, so what's next? Well, the next step is to secure a license. It's to conduct a test market with customers, and then it's to work towards accumulating revenues. But you should look at those milestones that you've already hit and determine the next steps to take. The more traction you have on the path towards preparing for raising capital, the higher your valuation can be, meaning the less of your company you need to sacrifice in exchange for the capital you're raising. And tip number eight, access to investors. So finally, without accessing a pool of investors, a great plan, product, and team will go nowhere. So does your plan to use angel investors or is your plan to use friends and family or a cannabis investor fund or other ideas? Develop a strategy now surrounding the who, the how, and the when of getting in front of ideal investors and then jump in with this new toolkit on your belt. And remember from episode one, don't waste time with people who don't understand the cannabis industry. Many companies are competing for capital in the cannabis and hemp and CBD space. And while many investors have been burned by the cannabis investments deals run amok, you can win over even the most skeptical of investors if you approach them with a prepared and compliant records, with models, with pitch decks, and with a competent team of experts. So before we finish for this week, one last thing, and you know what that is. It's a segment we call News of the Day. News of the Day. All right. We've got uh, three pieces of news again this week. First one, you know I love to talk about mergers and acquisitions stuff. So uh, Curaleaf uh, is to buy an Arizona-based cannabis operator, Trike, for $286 million. So uh, an MSO, Curaleaf Holdings, signed a definitive agreement. This comes from, let's see, MJ BizDaily. Uh, signed a definitive agreement to acquire Arizona-based MSO in a cash and stock transaction currently valued at $286 million. And so the acquisition of Trike, which does business uh, actually as reef dispensaries, which is going to help Curaleaf expand their presence in Arizona, Nevada, and Utah. And in Las Vegas, where we have an office and where I spend part of the time of year, actually know about reef dispensaries, been in their dispensaries before, a good business. So it comes after, this acquisition comes after Trike agreed in September 2019 to be acquired by Cresco Labs. So we're seeing kind of these roll-up transactions now 
The deal is uh, going to uh, Cure Relief will pay forty million dollars in cash at closing and seventy five million dollars in cash in equal installments on the first, second, and third anniversaries of the closing. And this, uh, they're also going to pay some stock, seventeen million shares of stock in equal installments. In addition, uh, one million shares in twenty twenty three. If uh, the earnout is met, so if certain profit targets are met for 2022, so it's kind of an interesting. Again, I love to mention these deals where there is mergers and acquisitions activity because if you're starting up your cannabis business, maybe for you the ultimate goal is that you would sell out to someone bigger. Okay, that's number one. Uh, number two is let's see. Uh, just past week, this is in Michigan, Governor Whitmer. Signed into law House Bill 4295, which amends the Medical Marijuana Facilities Licensing Act. I love how they spell marijuana in Michigan. It's M-A-R-I-H-U-A-N-A. It always cracks me up. I'm not quite sure why they do that. But um, Bill House Bill 4295 will amend the Medical Marijuana Facilities Licensing Act, uh, Licensing Act, rather, to do four things. One, individuals who have been convicted of certain marijuana-related felony or misdemeanor offenses are now eligible for a marijuana state operating license unless that felony involved the distribution of marijuana to a minor. Two, applicants who are elected officers or employees of a federally recognized Indian tribe or elected precinct delegates are now eligible for a marijuana state operating license. Three, the spouse of a person who applied for a marijuana state operating license is eligible for a licensor unless the spouse's position creates a conflict of interest. And this is with a conflict of interest with, within the marijuana regulatory agency in Michigan or a state or federal regulatory body making decisions. And four, the marijuana regulatory agency may no longer consider the integrity, moral character, reputation, or personal probability of an applicant in evaluating eligibility for licensure. And I look, I think this is personal opinion. I think House Bill 4295 is a great step forward to making sure that there are social equity in, in the licenses in Michigan because certain folks have been disproportionately and negatively impacted by this ongoing war on drugs. And also that people that understand this industry that are some of the original operators in this industry are the ones that have the licenses in Michigan. It's going to make everything better. Uh, now it uh, the law takes effect immediately, so good things in Michigan. All right, the last piece of news comes from Market Watch, specifically Cannabis Watch, and it's really a commentary on the general market. It says cannabis stocks rally on talk of M&A activity. We just talked about that. And the latest moves towards possible reform of federal bans. So I don't know if you saw this, but uh, cannabis stocks are getting some positive news for a change on talk of a deal-making and a Republican-backed bill aimed at legislation. So you've got, uh, to, on the M&A front, tobacco giant Altria may buy 55% of Kronos Group. And uh, also there's speculation from, or that's actually speculation from New Cannabis Ventures. Uh, good, good folks, by the way. If if you want, if you're interested in 
following up on the capital markets, new cannabis ventures. Find them on LinkedIn. Find them on the news. Uh, they do a good job, in my mind, of having their thumb on the pulse of our industry. So this deal would, would really be an option to buy a more controlling stake. Also, cannabis stocks are looking positive because the positive developments on a federal front. So Marijuana Moment reported that Representative Nancy Mace, who is a Republican from South Carolina, you heard me right, a Republican from South Carolina, is circulating the State Reform Act as a measure to legalize and tax cannabis on a federal level from the Republican side of the aisle. So that I does that push us closer to legalization? Maybe so. I think probably so. But it's certainly something that will be easy or that will be interesting, rather, uh, to watch. And there you have it for this week's episode. So we've got to rework the schedule episode uh, or the episode schedule uh, uh, rather just a little bit since we inserted this special episode in here. But in the coming weeks, we've got episodes on banking reform and on the capital markets and on insurance planned. And as I said from the start, we're going to get through the first five or six, or now it sounds like seven episodes, and then we're going to start with some guests. So stay tuned for that. And if you have specific questions, and I should have offered this in episode one, if you have specific questions about finance, about accounting, or about the capital markets as it relates to cannabis, please drop us a note at www.thegreenleafcpa.com forward slash listen. That's thegreenleafcpa.com forward slash listen. There's a place there, a form for you to submit your questions, or you can do it on social media if you'll just use the hashtag bizofkush. Uh, and if you'll do that, then I and my guests will give you our thoughts live in future episodes. Okay, now I think we're done for this week. Yep, I'm getting the high sign. We're done for this week. So hope you'll join us again. And until then, have a great week. You've been listening to The Business of Kush, the podcast for cannabis business owners, investors, and industry insiders. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast. It's easy to do by clicking on that subscribe button or follow button. And you can also follow us on social media at, at BizOfKush or visit us on the web at www.thegreenleafcpa.com forward slash listen. We'll catch you in the next episode. And thanks again for listening to The Business of Kush.